You're listening to Rockland Community Church, connecting all generations to Jesus. We are in this series called Emmanuel, God With Us, and I have to say, I don't know if I was a great reader when I was younger, but there was a group of books that I tore through. Do you know these choose-your-own-adventure books? Okay, if you, I don't know if you read them or kids or grandkids or anything like that. Choose your own adventure. They were great, and I, it, it was kind of this little, I don't know, it was like a gimmick, but it was, it was really cool. Like, you'd read them, and it would just start out. Everybody's reading the same thing, same starting point, and then it would say, you know, it's, it's some kind of adventure, and if you want to, um, if you think you should go behind door number one for safety, go to page 32. If you think you should go behind door number two for safety, then go to page 91 or something, and then you would, you would get to pick what you do next, and then you flip to that page. I inevitably always chose wrong. My stories were very short. I'd go to the door of safety, and it would be the, the not the door of safety, let's just say, um, but it was, it was a lot of fun to do, and I would just, I tore through these things. Hardy Boys were the other one, but mainly, Choose your own adventure books. And me and my sister would compare notes. Well, I start, we all started the same place. Then what'd you do? And then what'd you do? And then what'd you do? And so they were a lot of fun to do. And, um, and the, the negative of this is sometimes when we talk about God, we can look at certain concepts, and it's almost like it's those choose your own adventure books. Like you get the same starting point, and then you just go, now you get to take this starting point and just sort of run wherever you want to run with it. We have to be very careful of that, especially with this concept of God with us. Because if I were to just give you the concept and we all go, yeah, good, God with us. If we don't understand it more, then it becomes a choose-your-own-adventure where we just go, well, I just think it means this, or I just think it means this. This happens in Bible studies all the time when teachers read a scripture and then go, what does that mean to you? I think what they mean is how would you apply that verse um, or something like that. But oftentimes what it can do, like I just say, I'll, I'll say something a little different. I might say something like, what do you think this text means, which is different? What does it mean to you makes it sound like you get to decide whatever it is you get to, you know, you think this, this means. So when I see Emmanuel God with us, well, I think it means this. And you just kind of run a certain direction. And the reality is we don't have to have that as Christians because the Bible tells us what it means when it's God with us. Um, if you want to know, um, I'd say teenagers especially, what I think the, the, um, the heresy of your kids' generation is going to be, we are, uh, you, can you can watch a lot of times in Europe and watch, um, and, and watch because we usually import the heresy from overseas a lot of times. Um, what, is, what is blowing through Europe right now, I think, speaks right to the heart of this idea of God with us and sort of taking it to mean whatever you want it to mean. Um, it's this new age movement. It kind of hit for a while in the States and then sort of fizzled a little bit, but then it's kind of rippling back and it's, it's just, I'm telling you, it's just going through Europe right now like crazy. And the new age idea of Emmanuel, God with us, simply says this. There's one of two different lies that they say, which is one is we are, we are gods. Now, as Christians, we hear that and we probably go, that sounds a little ridiculous. This is out in the culture. And here's the other one. The other one is that God is within everybody. That's not what the scripture teaches either. Let me show you first where this is in the culture. And just so I'm very clear, I am espousing none of these. Deepak Chopra says, in reality, we are divinity in disguise, gods and goddesses in embryo. 
Oprah said, one of the most important books I've read in my life was a book by Eric Butterworth, Discover the Power Within You. And what he says in that book is that Jesus did not come to teach how divine he was, but came to teach us there is divinity within us. And then here's from Butterworth, here's his website. He says, quite often, I'm criticized for saying that Jesus is not divine. Actually, I'm not saying that Jesus is not divine, but I insist that all persons are divine. Jesus made the discovery of the divinity of man. He proved and demonstrated it in his own fulfillment. But the discovery was of the potential of all human beings. The author of The Secret said this, You are God manifested in human form, made to perfection, You are God in physical body. You are a cosmic being. You are all power. You are all wisdom. You are the creator. Shirley MacLaine was an actress turned evangelist for this new age type movement. And here's what she says in one of her books. Quote, I know that I exist, therefore, and it's capitalized, I am. I know that the God source exists, therefore, it is. Since I am a part of that force, then I am that I am. I don't know if you're confused, but I am when I read (laughs) what she just said. Yeah. Well, that is, now those people that I quoted, by the way, have thousands at least, some millions of followers on Twitter and YouTube and things like that. Um, that That permeates our culture today somehow, that there's just sort of a divine sort of spark within you and and you as an individual need to just find that that which is already in you. And I want to just read to you from Romans today and show you a very, very different way of understanding Emmanuel, God with us. Last week what we talked about, what I demonstrated was um, from, the, from the Garden of Eden, from Genesis, you see God with Adam and Eve in perfection. Sin enters, and so that relationship changes to some degree. But you see throughout the Old Testament, you still see um, with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, David, the prophets, you see on and on and on, you see God saying things like, I am your God, I will be with you, you are my people. And we call it the Emmanuel principle, that it's God was with them perfectly in the garden, but even after sin entered, there is a sense in which God still says, I am with you. Then you have this incarnation. You have Jesus. You have God the flesh, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us in a unique way. And then you see throughout the New Testament, you see over and over, you see um, the writers talking about God with us, God with us, God with us. You see uh, when the last words that Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew's gospel, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then he's teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he says, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then we see the very end of the book of Revelation. We see the eternal state and we see God in our midst. And he says, I will be with you. And so what we see when we look at that, we see it perfect in Eden, perfect in Revelation. We see it manifested in Jesus Christ. But we see these other, we see the Old Testament. We see God constantly saying, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. We see the New Testament, I'm with you, I'm with you, I'm with you. And so today we can say God is with us, but how? Well, because there's these lies in the world, today I just want to give you a very simple truth and then tell you a way that we can actually live into this and experience This idea, it's a pretty lofty concept. Try to make this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, more tangible. And I did a very good good preacher thing this week, which is the uh, message has one very, very simple statement. 
And I spent all week making it very complicated for everybody to understand. And so what I want to do is I want to just give you plain and simple the message from this text from Romans. This is one aspect of God with us. It says this. It says, if you, or this is my summary. If you're a Christian, you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And if you're a non-Christian, you're not. God's design to experience him is to be around others who are also indwelt by the Spirit. So Christians, where there's this thing called the indwelling spirit that we have when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we have that, and God's plan is not we just go run off in the corner and now we go, good, I've got God in me, and so we just live it out in isolation. But he says, look, you've got other spirit-indwelt people around you. Go be with them and go be in their midst. Let me show it to you from Romans chapter 8. And he's going to describe two people walking. He's going to use according to the flesh or according to the spirit. And what he's really doing for that church in, uh, in Rome is in this instance, um, he's talking to Christians about remember who you once were. Remember that you did walk in your flesh, and now that you're Christians, you walk in the spirit. That's what he's talking about. So let me read this to you, and I'll try and explain it as we go. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What he just said is essentially before we came to faith, our mind was hostile towards God, and we didn't come to faith because we had some burst of like intellectual enlightenment or anything like that. It is a work of God and what he did. We didn't just deduce something all of a sudden. It certainly isn't because of something we accomplished. It says uh, those who are in flesh cannot please God. We didn't work our way up to being good enough or finally we were pleasing enough to him. That's why we should never, ever, as Christians, never, ever, ever be proud of our salvation as though, ah, good, good for me. Way to go, me. I, I always, whenever we do believers' baptisms, I always try to make sure we are celebrating what God has done in the life of this person. Because oftentimes we can go, yay, yay, you, you know, and be excited for the person. But those are supposed to be acts of worship, that God has done a work in his life or her life that God accomplished our salvation. I sort of picture, um, I picture like a little boy that just got, you know, maybe as a basketball goal or something at the house, and, and he's got a little ball, and he wants, to, he wants to make it, and he can't even get close. And then dad reaches down, saves the day, picks him up, holds him up, and then he dunks and just, uh, you know, and just lights up. And I just picture in that little boy's mind if he's going, I did it. Dad did it. You held the ball and you did a little thing, but dad did it. That's how I picture us in salvation is we're not even, we don't even hold the ball and try. We're just going, God has done it, that God did it, that we, the thing that we couldn't do, that we couldn't accomplish, that we couldn't be good enough, that we couldn't just reason our own way towards. God broke in and did a supernatural work in our life. That's what he just said. And then the question that comes up is, does everybody have the sort of divine within them? You hear that largely in the culture, and that is not a teaching of the scriptures. Let me show it to you. In verse 9, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, or no longer in the flesh is really what he's saying. You're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, look at this, the spirit of God 
dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. I should probably say you're going to see some different Trinitarian language here. I wouldn't get bogged down by it, and you'll just hear me say God's spirit throughout this. What he says is those who are Christians, it says they belong to him. Did you catch that? They belong to him. This is the beauty of being a Christian. We belong to him. It's a man and woman walk down the aisle, and there are two individuals beforehand, and then all of a sudden, I'm very aware that when I get to do a wedding, of what I get to say is now they leave, and they belong to one another. One of the beautiful things about the Christian faith is this belonging that we have. And so he says, those who are Christians belong to him and are indwelt by the Spirit of God. That's the truth that you need to hear, at least from the scripture here this morning. So the nice thing is we don't need to choose your own adventure on this to try and figure out what does it mean God with us. One big element of this is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, when you came to faith in Christ, you also received this thing called the indwelling spirit. And so we have the Holy Spirit inside us. And so next he says, what does it look like if the spirit is in you? In verse 10 it says this, but if, here it is again, Christ is in you, Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, what he's saying is Christians and non-Christians, everybody will feel the effect of sin in our body, meaning um, you're going to get older, your body is going to get, um, oh man, I can't think of a good word to say right there. It's going to be more challenges, let's just say, with our bodies. I had a way to say it, and it sounded really insensitive. As you get older... As we get older, like, like age comes to us all is what he's saying. He's saying you, you have that in common. Because we live in this fallen, broken world, we have this in common. In 2 Corinthians, it says, outwardly we're wasting away, just like everybody else. Yet it says, but inwardly we're being renewed every day. So we have the same effect of the fall in the world on our health and on our bodies that anybody does. But there's something different. And look at what it says, because it said the spirit is life. What does it mean? Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So here's what he just said. I'll, I'll tell you and then I'll read it again. He just said, um, Christians and non-Christians have this in common, that our bodies, as we get older, get weaker. They start to fall apart. They, that effect of sin and the broken world on our life hits everybody. But he's saying there's something different about believers because we have the Spirit of God within us. And so what he says is this. He's looking past just this life. And what he's saying is if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God inside you, that Spirit raised Jesus Christ from the dead to resurrection. And because you're a Christian and you have that, you can know that when this life is over, the Spirit that you have will also, you will be resurrected. Meaning, this is, this is one of the most beautiful texts about understanding of the eternal joy and bliss of those who are in Christ Jesus. That's what this is talking about. Let me read it again. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, Christian, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies when this life is done through his spirit who dwells in you. It's a big concept, but it's one of the most Beautiful truths, and it's one of the most life-altering truths. If this life is all there is, or if there is an eternity, you would live your life differently if, if either of those were true. 
And what the scripture teaches is we're living for eternity. We are living knowing that we will be with him for all eternity. One of the implications of this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, is that we will be raised to life with him even when this life is over. We say last breath here is our first breath there. That this life, this blink, and then there's this eternity that's forever. This is why, you don't know how this plays out. We should be different from the non-Christian world around us and how we, how we view life, how we, um, how we stress, how, we, uh, how our marriages look. How, like, what are the goals in raising our kids? Those should be different from somebody who says this life is basically all there is. Maybe there's something after it, I don't know, and people think differently. But if we as Christians go, there is, a, there is an eternity, then all of a sudden as a parent, I am going, you know what matters? I would love for my kids to get good grades. I would love for my kids to be you know, not socially awkward. I would love for them to get into a good college. I would love for them to be a responsible citizen. But ultimately, I am thinking with eternity in mind. I want them to know and to love Jesus Christ that they will be with him forever. We think differently as Christians than others do. We should think differently. We see the world differently. What's our, what's our purpose in life? What's our point in life? We should see it differently. Emmanuel, God with us, he will raise us on that day. And so as a result, we live in light of the eternity that we're promised. So here's the other thing. What does it mean to be a Christian? If you know the gospel message, it's, you heard some of it in pieces throughout here. It's not that, like as a Christian, I was so wonderful that God went, Jim's a good guy, I'm gonna save him. It's actually the opposite, that my mind was hostile towards God, that on my own, I wouldn't have just found him and sought him and reasoned my way there, but he broke in by the power of his Holy Spirit and changed me. That he put people in my life that explained to me what Christ has done on my behalf. That the penalty that I can never pay before a holy God, Christ came and paid. That is his great love for me. So quite often, we hear that and go, good, I get to go to heaven someday. This life, all of a sudden, is not that important. Oh, nothing could be further from the truth. I want to say to anybody that may have ever thought about or contemplated any kind of self-harm, suicide, anything like that, If you are a Christian, you are indwelt by the Spirit of God. And if you think, is my life pointless? Do I have any purpose? What you're essentially saying is God is wasting his time with me. And he is not. That God indwells you, that God loves you, and he is not wasting his time in doing so. You are loved. So you are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. This infuses purpose and meaning into our lives. And then the other thing to know is that God in his genius has put us around other people who are also indwelt by his spirit, other Christians. In fact, I won't do it because everybody makes fun of me, but Romans 5, if I went through and I put all the y'alls in there where they go, it's a bunch of y'alls. It's all plural. It's saying plural, 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 you, you, you. You, however, I'll just do it. Y'all are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If in fact the the spirit of God dwells in y'all, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him, but if Christ is in y'all as a group, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in y'all, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to y'all's mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in y'all. It is a y'all, y'all, y'all. It is plural you. 
He is talking over and over. Like we take it as Americans and Westerners and we just go, oh, this is about me and my personal little Holy Spirit and so I'm gonna go over here. And, and the reality is he's going, this is about the body of Christ. I have given you other spirit indwelt believers. Be with them, be intentional with them. So here's how I said it. I said, if you want to really experience Emmanuel, God's indwelling spirit, be intentionally around others who are also indwelt by God's spirit. I'm gonna to try to make this very, very practical because it's pretty ethereal, lofty concept. I get it. Um, we can experience God with us when we see the wisdom of God through his spirit and dwelt believers. So a couple examples. I, um, I, I lead a men's Bible study. I actually inherited it from the former pastor, Ken Williams, and he said, I got this group of guys at 7 a.m., and I thought, Ugh, all right, 7 a.m., and, uh, <clears throat> and I was like, that won't be a good audience, but whatever. So I, but I have to tell you, now I mean this, it's probably my favorite hour of the week. I got there, I was 41, so seven years ago, so I was 40. I'm leading this Bible study. M most of the men in the Bible study, let's just say we're not 40. <laughs> they were a bit older. And I remember sitting there the first day, sitting down and looking, and immediately what I thought was, um, many of you have walked with God longer than I have been alive. Why am I teaching? It was intimidating. And so I, I learned real quick. I started trying to do some math, and I, I don't know how far to get, but I, I started realizing there are centuries of wisdom in this room. There are centuries of men that have been indwelt by God's spirit and walking with him. There's centuries of that in this room. And so one of my very favorite things is I teach, I organize, I go through and I, lift, I say stuff, and then, but now the guys, and this is, this is how it's been always, a lot of the guys chiming in and chiming in and chiming in and saying things. I thought, that's really good. I'm gonna write that down and use that sometime. And you watch somebody else, somebody says something that's false, and you watch one of the guys just graciously as anything, just sort of kind of give another perspective. And it's the most beautiful thing to sit back and just go, God's wisdom is not just in me. It's in anybody, indwelt by the Spirit of God. And in that moment, in in that room, I get to watch and I just get to have this God with us, Emmanuel. His wisdom is here in this room. I think about, um, we have a life group that, um, uh, that Nikki and I are in. And, you know, for me, I sit there and I watch the husbands. I watch them interact with their wives. No one's ever said, this is what you should do. I just watch. And it normalizes what a godly husband looks like. And I go, I'm getting wisdom watching these other husbands. God with us, Emmanuel. I think about a guy I talked to a few years ago who um, just straight up told me on a, about a Thursday, I think, before Sunday, he said, um, I don't think I can take communion this week. And I said, why not? And, he's, and he used the words, I don't know that I've ever had anybody else use these words, um, though I'm sure people do this, but he said, I'm faking it. I said, what do you mean? I said, do you believe? He said, I believe but I'm faking it. And he couldn't really go too much farther than that to explain what he meant, but he was just struggling. He said, I definitely, I believe in God and I believe in what he's done, but right now I'm just really, really low. And so we just talked a little bit and that was, and that was kind of that. And um, this was on the phone. And then uh, he came here Sunday and he, and he saw me, we chatted, we were right back there and he um, ran into me and I just sort of said, hey. And he said, uh, you know, I think I, think I am 
gonna come forward today. I'm not sure. Should I come forward? Should I take communion or not? And like, I appreciate his his like honesty of what he was trying to do. And and he said he said I just don't know where my belief is right now. I believe in God, but I boy I just have all these questions. And he'd been a Christian for years. And he's kind of having this crisis a crisis of conscience. There you go. And um and I sort of sort of silly, but I'd go. You know what? I believe enough for the both of us. Why don't you come on down? Come take communion. And I, I didn't mean it literally. What I meant was watch God's people get up and take communion, and why don't you come down? I was serving communion right over here that day, and I didn't think much of the story. I figured I'd connect with them this week. I'm serving communion over here, and I noticed this line that's coming down. There's a big gap in the line, and I'm serving, and I'm going, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, but I can't help but notice, why isn't this line moving over here? And I, so I kind of glanced over, and I looked, and what happened was there was, um, there was an elderly woman coming down with a cane, coming right down here, and someone that I found out was her daughter was walking with her and was, I guess, holding her like this as they're coming down the aisle right here. And they're walking down the aisle, and this older woman has all, all her weight. She was pretty petite, but she has all her weight on her daughter, and her daughter is trying to help her get up and get communion. And so I'm serving over here. I'm watching this going, I hope everything's going to be okay. Please, somebody who's not me, see this and help this person. And somebody did. This man that I was telling you about just so happened to be right behind him in line. And I could, as I was serving, I saw the corner of my eye, I saw him swoop over take her by the arm, kind of put his arm around her like this, and I could see enough to see the relief in her daughter's eyes as well. And they came forward here a little slowly, but they got it. They came forward, and he basically almost carried this woman down so she could take communion. And they came up, and it took a while. You, you'll remember it if you, ever, if you ever took communion from me over here, and I was just crying like a baby the whole time I was taking communion because I knew the backstory on this guy. I didn't find, catch him after the service, but I caught him the next week, and um, I just said, hey, you came forward for communion. You know, I just kind of let him tell the story, and he said, yes, it was amazing. He said, and he actually said, best communion ever, and I, and I knew this story. I said, tell me what happened. He said, I just saw this woman, and I thought, hey, I can help her, and while it took him a while, I mean, they weren't three or four rows back right there, and in the time it took him to get right up here to the front, he, I'm not going to quote him well, but you'll get the point. All the, he said, all these things going through my mind. Here's this woman who for years has walked with the Lord and should clearly just say, can someone please come bring communion to me? But she wasn't having it. She was coming forward to be reminded of Christ and what he has done. And he said, that was moving for me. And then here's her daughter who could barely you know, help her get down. I mean, she was pretty strong, but she was having a hard time getting her. And here's her going, I'm helping my mom do this. I am helping her get down. I don't care if there's a gap in the line. I don't care how long it takes. And he came down. And he had this experience with these two women that completely just changed his perspective. And now I look at it and I go, Emmanuel, God with us. God's spirit indwelt believers were right there with you. And they lifted you up. That's how we experience Emmanuel, God with us. We can see it. Um, we can see it through God's love when we experience the love of God from others as well. I want to share this with you. Um, <clears throat> I got an email a couple weeks ago. Dear Jim, and she tells me her name and then um, her relative who goes here. She says, I hope this finds you well and looking forward to a lovely holiday season. 
I'm wanting to thank all of the prayer warriors at Rockland Community Church. As you probably know, I was diagnosed with lymphoma in April and an autoimmunity of the bone marrow in August. Incredibly, treatments for both have been successful thus far, but the treatment for the latter will continue over the course of a year. From the beginning, my sister put me on your prayer list, and now I communicate regularly with Annie Bremerman, who's on our care staff, to update it. I can't tell you how often and profoundly I've received words and acts of such deep kindness at just the right moments from the community at Rockland. She says, first I received a gorgeous prayer shawl. It is with me every morning for coffee. Another email, she gave me the image of her just clutching this prayer shawl as she's taking her morning coffee. Then I received my first handwritten cards from a person I don't even know offering me hemoglobin, platelets, or bone marrow. Then again, just weeks ago, I received another handwritten card from another prayer warrior that assured me you all are praying for my full recovery. I can't tell you what that meant to hear when indeed I am getting better, but I had just been diagnosed with shingles and affected the immune suppression. To receive all these kindnesses, um, including absolutely regular inquiries from Annie, halfway across the world, she lives in Switzerland, from folks I know but don't really know and over such a long time truly moves me. Thank you. And she asked, would it be possible for me to buy flowers for the altar in the coming weeks to let people know how meaningful it has been to her? She said, if this email can be read or passed on to these prayer warriors as well, I would be indebted to you. Consider it passed on. She says, with all of my thanks, Merry Christmas, if it's not too early, which I assured her it was not. <laughs> Kelly Merritt is her name. Her sister used to go here, and they have moved, and people here at Rockland have, in a sense, sent the love of Christ across the ocean to her. She can experience this idea of Emmanuel, God with us. I am not alone, because people across the ocean send something to her. Emmanuel, God with us, is not a choose-your-own-adventure. We have to figure out what it means. We know what it means. God is with you. You are indwelt by his Holy Spirit, and God in his goodness has put other people around you who are indwelt by his Holy Spirit as well. And when we are around those people, we can truly experience all the more Emmanuel, God with us. Mm -hmm.